We killed too many, and now we're paying for it. There are certainly bigger fish, faster fish, and stronger fish, but few can compare to wild steelhead. They're an icon that embodies strength and resilience. They are a fleeting connection to a wild world that is disappearing before our eyes. Wild steelhead are ingrained with an unrelenting tenacity that enables them to power themselves hundreds of miles upstream, and hooking one is a direct connection to the raw power of nature. Welcome to the Adipose, the voice of the Wild Steelhead Coalition. Can you imagine what it'd be like to wake up in Seattle on a misty March morning and struggle to decide which of Puget Sound's prolific 49 wild steelhead rivers and streams to fish that day? Can you imagine what it'd be like to catch two wild steelhead and be disappointed by how slow the day was? And can you imagine what it would feel like to wade waist deep into the Snohomish River, knowing that 225,000 wild steelhead were swimming around in those same waters? Six years ago, the Wild Steelhead Coalition, Patagonia, and award-winning filmmaker Shane Anderson teamed up to produce a film series called Steelhead Country. In this episode of The Adipose, we'll take a page from that series and explore the rise and fall of angling for wild steelhead in Washington state. From the heyday of fishing on the Puyallup to the litany of legendary rivers that are now closed throughout Puget Sound. Right down here. You'd come down here on a January morning and there'd be 50, 60 guys down here, everywhere. All fishing, all lined up. None of them moving. They'd all be sitting in one place, waiting for the schools of steelhead to come by. This very spot was the most popular steelhead hole in the entire Northwest, without a doubt. Anywhere in Fork South, I don't care where you were. This was ground zero for winter steelhead fishing. This is the famed McMillan Drift, we're in McMillan on the Puyallup River. It's just a place you went. It was the local river. You didn't have to drive four hours, you drive 20 minutes and caught steelhead. And God, we took it for granted. It was so good. I mean, schools of fish, man, schools of fish. We'd watch them come up through here right, on the tides and, say, here, and the guy would be yelling, guys would yell, here they come, here they come. You'd see the guys at the bottom end hooking fish and it came right to you. Absolutely unreal, magical. Just to imagine in this short little blip of time, it's gone and it went so fast. I didn't think in my whole lifetime I'd, I'd not fish here, really. Might sound like a steelhead fairy tale, a once upon a time story that rivals the reality of Snow White. Because these days, Washington's steelhead story feels more like a bad dream. But that magical reality existed not too long ago in Washington. Back then, more steelhead returned to Washington than any region on earth. Back then, Washington was steelhead country, a wondrous place where our rivers ran silver and wild steelhead outnumbered anglers by orders of magnitude. Back then, the idea of leaving Washington and making the trek north to the Skeena, Dean, or Bulkley to chase steelhead was absurd. The place, Fortson Hole, located on the North Fork of the Stillaguamish, one of the top 10 steelheading rivers in Washington state, and a prime target for the opening day of the season, which starts December 1st. A short distance upstream, one of many game department hatcheries throughout the state serves as a homing device for the migratory population. 
Prior to the introduction of all those hatchery fish at the turn of the 20th century, Washington's legendary rivers were producing mind-blowing numbers of wild steelhead. Nooksack, 169,000. Skagit, 149,000. Stillaguamish, 100,000. And the mighty Snohomish at 224,000. Fast forward to 1990, and these once prolific runs were headed to closure and ESA listing. The Puyallup was one of 49 legendary steelhead rivers and streams that closed down in western Washington from 1990 to the Endangered Species Act listing in 2007. 49 rivers in the ground zero of the steelhead's range managed for harvest till the final days of closure. You open the newspaper up and it went, and everything but the wah, 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 you know, that's all it was missing from the, hey, we're sorry, it's closed, go somewhere else. Fish cannery data from the turn of the century showcases the historical abundance of these legendary rivers and what they were capable of producing. Look, look at historically what these rivers could hold. What are we at, 2%, 4% tops in all our rivers? Loss of habitat is always the first limiting factor to be blamed. However, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife's data in their steelhead assessment paper cites a loss of winter steelhead accessible habitat around 9 to 28%. One of the Puget Sound rivers with the best estuary and habitat is the Nisqually River. Taken together, the size of Puget Sound's wild steelhead run at the turn of the century was 929,000 fish per year. With actual run totals surely topping over a million fish when the smaller creeks and watersheds were included. That's a crazy number of wild steelhead, and that's just Puget Sound. The number doesn't include any wild steelhead from other prolific Washington steelhead systems out on the OP in the mighty Columbia River watershed. Fast forward 117 years later, the number of wild steelhead has been reduced to a shadow of what it once was. The once steelhead-rich Puget Sound now supports a population of just 14,000 wild fish. Even rivers deemed healthy today, like the, the Queets on the OP, have seen a steelhead population reduced from over 80,000 in 1923 to a paltry couple thousand fish. This ubiquitous and precipitous decline has resulted in five of Washington's seven distinct steelhead populations being listed as threatened under the Endangered Species Act, with the other two heading towards collapse and a possible ESA listing on the Olympic Peninsula. Then the squally, wow. I mean, from 1978, 79, 80, 81, we'd have multiple fish days, double-digit double days, every day up in uh, the Fort Lewis area, which the trees up there would never been logged. It looked like you were fishing on Vancouver Island. Spectacular, big, beautiful runs, full of steelhead. One morning, myself, my friends Mike, and Mark and Jerry were fishing one run called Upper Kahuna. We landed 66 steelhead one April morning. Wild steelhead are labeled a game fish in the state of Washington. But as you heard, the state manages these fish like an abundant food fish under a model called Maximum Sustainable Yield, or MSY. This management strategy aims to maximize harvest and angling pressure and is widely attributed to causing the collapse of fisheries around the globe. And in Washington, it has done just that. 
MSY has enabled unsustainable steelhead harvest rates, resulting in the decline of wild steelhead stocks in rivers like the Nisqually. And the Nisqually was full of steelhead back then, and everybody caught fish, and there was a huge uh, number of female steelhead back then, so much more than any other river I remember. And I'd go down to handicap access and talk to the guys and watch the boats come in, we'd get done fishing. Every boat had two, three, four, one, two, all dead fish laying in the bottom and all hens, all beautiful bright hens. Well, this went on from mid-March through April for four or five years, do some math. What happens when you're pulling that many fish out of a river, that many spawning fish? All of a sudden, you get past that point and boom, she went, killed too many fish. Again, horrible management. They allowed us to take two fish, wild fish, every day till the end of April, ad nauseum. My buddies and I, of the four or five or six of us, my little squad, we'd kill 200 a month out of the Nisqually alone, just us. Just us, 10 guys, killed 200. Easy. So let's see if we did that, it wouldn't take much, would it? It is a now or never moment for wild steelhead. The decisions we make, the actions we take, and the conservation efforts we support today will determine whether the legacy of steelhead country endures or fades away. The message of steelhead country resonates just as strongly today as it did back in 2017. A persistent reminder that the rivers we love and the fish that navigate their currents are a legacy, not just for us, but for future generations to come. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Adipose and heed the call to join the growing number of advocates who are fighting to create a better future for wild steelhead. We must fight for these fish with the same tenacity and dedication we have in the pursuit of them. Together, we have the power to chart a brighter future for wild steelhead. Please push the subscribe button, take a minute to rate, review, and share. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of The Adipose.